Let's hit um, our longtime beloved partners, NVS and Need Essentials, Scott Bass. Yeah, you know, um, funny thing, I was just, I just moved my fin drawer to a new drawer. It's a drawer right here below me. So all of my NVS fins are at an arm's length. Like I, I can reach down now and grab them and present them to you. Huge fan of NVS fins. And um, most, if not all of my boards, have the NVS fins in them. I'm, I'm excited about that. So if the drawer is in your garage, yeah. do you I've, load, do you put the fins in your board before you go to the beach or do you keep fins in your car when you go to the beach as well? Both. Okay. Yeah, I have fins in my car right now and I have a drawer full of killer fins right here. And uh, yeah. That's my strategy too. I have a the current quiver in the car that are kind of in constant rotation, but all of the years kind of archives of fins in the garage. Right. Wow, look at those holiday. Wow, you're bringing festive cheer to this episode. I love yeah, it. Yeah, thanks. Um, so surfnvs.com, obviously the Apex Series fins are what we always talk about. Those are the finest constructed fins of their portfolio. And they also come with a lifetime guarantee, which is huge. Um, and then Need Essentials. I've got my winter coat right here because it's raining today in Southern California. I use oh, it yeah. on the mountain mainly for skiing, but um, it's slick. So it'll wick the, way, the rain right off. It's a shell. And today's the day for the uh, rain wicking shell exactly. from Need Essentials because we have some rain about to come down here in Southern California for the next two or three days. So heck yes, NeedEssentialsUSA.com. So you can go outside either in your outerwear or a wetsuit. You can just wear your Neat Essentials wetsuit straight outside, go run errands in that. It'll <laughs> keep, you keep you warm while you're running your errands. Yeah, maybe get on Kook of the Day. There you go. There you <laughs> go. All right. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Okay, well, um, yeah, guy, yeah, guy, welcome everybody. It's Spit. It is the Spit Podcast. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass with you. It's December 23rd. It's a Thursday, David, two days before Christmas Day. And Merry Christmas, David Scales. Merry Christmas. Does this feel to you like um, the least, like this December isn't Decembering like previous December's Decembered? This is a great way to put it. It is not Decembering. Uh, you have made a verb out of the month, and I appreciate that. It's not Decembering. The, the surf is flat. That too. And, but the the vibes too. It's like the fact that you just said it's December 23rd. I'm like, man, it's already Christmas, and it barely feels like we're getting the ball rolling. I will say there's a lot of Christmas cookies that are being, in, you know, I'm, take, I'm eating way too much Christmas yeah, me too. cookies and stuff like that. But for, um, for some reason, that's not making me feel Christmassy, though. No, it's making me feel bloated. <laughs> Lethargic. <laughs> you know uh, what I blame? What? I blame the fact that there's no pipe masters happening at the beginning of the month. That's supposed to kick off my Christmas cheer. You know what? It's a good point. It's a good point. And of course, you know, look, the sort of 
negative um, sense that this pandemic has has sort of um, draped over us. I don't think that's helping much because it it is, you know, this this new variant. It, it's putting a bit of a a damper on things. I think there is a sense of dread that has not moved for two years, and there. At moments, there was light at the end of the tunnel, and it feels now like we're in a decades-long, you know, with no end in sight, like kind of uh, uncertainty is the biggest problem, I think. Yeah, I mean, what's to say some new variant doesn't come along that's actually as contagious as this one, but totally deadly? Like, we're super lucky this one isn't even deadly. Totally. And right now, some mutant thing could be forming somewhere, you know, in some host body and Oh, well, yeah, I've, I've got some breaking surf news. Hit me. Have you heard this? Let me tell it to you first. <laughs> um, it looks as if this isn't necessarily completely breaking news, but I was just watching a podcast um, that's hosted by a jujitsu guy. And he had Kelly Slater on and Kelly Slater has more or less retired. Well, this will be his final final year, 2022 retirement. He was asked about it. These are his words. I'm really contemplating this being my last full year. I'll be 50 years old. Can you believe that? Kelly's 50 years old? No. It'll be 30 years since my first world title. It'll be my sixth decade of competing. And there, he says that he's in talks with somebody from Apple TV, some producers, about a short series that will follow him this last year on tour 2022. So cats out of the bag. Looks like 2022 is Kelly Slater's swan song. First of all, I'm going to shame you right now for doing a clickbait segment because that is not at all what I got out of that conversation. I felt like Kelly danced around and dodged the question of retirement. He has said what you just said. 15 times in his career. And even when he has retired, he comes back the next year. He did not commit to the answer. He did not say, I'm definitely retiring. He says, you know, I've thought about it and here's some reasons why it would make sense. That's all he said. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, the so way that on you. No, I'm taking it like, well, I'm just taking it verbatim. I'm really contemplating this being my last full year. I'll be 50 so years old. So that's not a commitment. I'm really contemplating it. It'll, it'll be 30 years since my first world title. My that's sixth, a fact. My sixth decade of competing. Fact. I'm, I'm in discussions with some producers for Apple TV to have them follow me as this would be my last year on tour 2020, 2022. That's him trying to steal some, some thunder there. First of all, that series... I talked to the guy to some people at the WSL a year or two ago about that series when it was in um, pre-production. So it's a production company called Box to Box, right? And they had a ton of success uh, with this Formula One series that they did for Netflix, right? Did you watch that series? No, but I heard about all this on this podcast I was listening to. It's called Drive to Survive. And they've got three seasons of it on Netflix. It follows Formula One racers. It's really well done. And so the WSL approached that production company and they're like, we should do something similar for the WSL. So last year on tour, 
the box to box production crew is following all the surfers. Um, and there's some interesting storylines that developed and all that, but Kelly is now saying, Hey, I want in on that. So <laughs> I pitched to those guys, Hey, you should follow me next year. It might be my last year on tour just so that he can wrench the limelight towards him. That's what he's saying. Wow. Wow. Maybe who knows? Yeah. You, you're, it's amazing. Like the, the difference perspectives that we have on this whole thing. Cause we'll be, I'm like, David's going to be psyched. I've got some breaking news. Shukin sent me this, by the way. He sent me the link to this. And I'm like, wow. you know. But then I saw it was dated December 8th. I should have yeah. realized you've already listened to this. And probably well, a million other people have too. Yeah, a number of people sent it to me. And they're like, hey, this is really interesting. And then I was disappointed at how not interesting it was. Uh, or it was actually interesting. And I'll explain the parts I thought were interesting. But the... Um, the talk about vac. The reason why they sent it was they're like, he's talking about vaccines. He's talking about retirement. He's talking about whatever. And I'm like, he didn't actually um, commit to any of those answers. The dude, by the way, the podcaster's name is Ariel Helwani. He's a mixed martial arts journalist out of Canada. And they do an hour and a half. He asks Kelly if uh, the vaccine will limit the world tour especially going into Australia and if Kelly will actually go to Australia or if that will affect Kelly's, you know, world swan title song. campaign. Yes. Yeah, he, he, he says, are you worried that vaccine requirements will cut short your final year, which would have been a great opportunity for Kelly to say, hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't completely guarantee you that it's my final year, but instead he said, yes, it concerns me at this point. Yeah. Of course the situation's fluid and hopefully this thing mutates like SARS-1 did and it'll be gone. No one really knows for sure. It's a tough situation for all of us, but you dance. see what, no, but, but you see why he, he did dance, but he didn't do the proper dance. If you're going to put the safety dance on, he did the, he basically kind of like in a weird way, this, this journalist kind of caught him kind of said, and he, cause, cause Kelly said, yeah, I'm concerned. It's going to cut short my final year. Yeah, because it could be five years from now and we're still dealing with this. He didn't, you know, he didn't commit to the fact that next year is his final year. But this is something that we're going to be dealing with indefinitely. Um, I hear what you're saying. He didn't say. I've heard him dance, David, and I agree with you. He usually dances. This to me, I would, let me ask you this. Of all the times you've heard him dance around this since like 2006 or even before then, does this feel more solid of a dance around like a more solid? Yes. I'm turning 50 COVID's here. It's 2020. You know, doesn't this seem like more of a solid dance around than Like if you were to put money on it, if I was to ask you to put, I don't know, say $10,000, which way would you put your $10,000? that this is his final year or it's not uh, a full year on tour. I wouldn't bet, but I would put no, it. No, no, no. You've I got would, a bet. You've I, I got a bet. I would put it on. Um, it is. Thank you. But I don't think he even knows, which is why I wouldn't bet. And I think ultimately if restrictions um, loosen, then he'll continue. I think what the part that I'm talking about, he danced around was not, revealing whether or not he's gotten vaccinated he's alluded to that he's not vaccinated and so i think he would 
And then Ariel Helwani even asks him, like, how much is the uh, COVID protocol playing into your retirement decision? And Kelly kind of said that it was. And so I could see Kelly uh, not going to Australia this year, doing a few events. And then if he's forced to continue to make that decision in 2023, deciding it's a, it's a good time for him to retire, that he doesn't want to be forced into the vaccine, essentially, is what it is. But if those restrictions loosen up and he can continue surfing without the vaccine, I think he would. Huh. That's interesting, because, and that might be the case, right? But I see it more like um, if the situation loosens up and he can go to all these places this year, it's like, hey, let's turn on the documentary, call the box people. Let's turn this thing on. I'm getting a green light to go around the world, not have to get vaccinated. Let's turn on the swan song. I can't wait for everyone to see my last year on tour on this production, on this Apple TV production. Yeah. The other way where it's like, okay, it looks like we're in this thing for a while. And who knows when we can actually do a legit tour. Um, I'm hanging it up. I'm over it. It's just, it's done. I see Again, I don't think he even knows. And even if he got box to box to commit to following him around, it doesn't mean he's going to retire at the end. He could say at the beginning of the season, I'm retiring this year. It's my final year. Get to the end of the season and go, you know what? Changed my mind. I didn't perform (laughs) as well as I wanted to. I want to go another go. Or I performed so well that I can still spar with these kids and I'm ready to go again. Did you watch the Beatles documentary on Disney Plus? I don't have Disney plus and I'm considering getting it just to watch it, but I have not watched it. Okay. So I watched it and, and it was, it was interesting in that there was a, it felt like it could have been edited down to one show. There was a ton of kind of like, for lack of a better phrase, B roll of them just rolling while these guys are smoking cigarettes and bullshitting and tuning their guitars and talking. But Within all of that B-roll, if you're a true fan of the Beatles, you're sitting there kind of on the edge of your seat trying to pick up, is there some dysfunction here? You know, is Paul mad at John? Is Yoko a freak? Is it Linda that really broke up the Beatles? Well, you know, like as a fan, you're trying to like, and I sense that if if they filmed Kelly this year, it would actually yeah. be really, really good, no matter what happened. Yeah. Like, in fact, if the whole thing, like if they flew to Australia and they made him quarantine in a hotel for seven days, yeah, that would be fascinating documentary footage, I think. You know what I mean? I think so too. Well, that's Especially, what, yeah, that's what we love about documentary. And it could be about something we don't even know about, you know, that like Formula One, for example, I knew nothing about, but I'm really into it from watching this series. Um, a total kind of sidebar about the Beatles. I heard somebody talking about that. And what was compelling to me was they were explaining a recording session where George Harrison came in fully prepped with um, a song that was going to be on maybe Let It Be. Let It Be, yeah. Okay, yeah. And um, it was a song that ended up being on All Things Must Pass, which is George post Beatles album, George's post Beatles album, but he brought this song in fully prepped, wrote the music, wrote the uh, lyrics and presented it. And John and Paul were just like, get out of here. We don't want your like, you know, we don't want your contributions. We're geniuses essentially. And then Paul proceeds to basically write on the fly manufacturing out of thin air. I forget which song it was, but like a huge hit. Every song. Yeah. Every song they just sit there and they just go, I don't know. 
la dee 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 and they just yeah. come up with like something in the way she moves actually that's a george harrison song but yeah and george is just like you guys gotta be kidding me this is an incredible song but his genius was slightly lesser as certainly in their minds and so they undervalued him and he went on to obviously make that song and do phenomenally with it but it was interesting to see that like they had no appreciation for what he was bringing to the table. Uh, I would, I wouldn't say that. I, I, I think that's a stretch that they okay. had no appreciation and it, it was a nuanced and you'll watch it. And I think you'll get a better sense for what happened, cool. but, but I don't think they just went, you know, right. that's just not their style. I mean, it's actually, if anything, I think that they were kind of trying really hard to be inclusive because in the past it had been very much Lennon and McCartney. Yeah. And I, I sense that, they had kind of gone their separate ways or were coming back together for one last hurrah. And there was this sense of how come it didn't work? Like, why did we get to this place? Like, we're like a couple that's breaking up and we're trying, you know, like, and we're being open to maybe it was my fault. Maybe it was his fault. And there's a lot of that. And, you know, there's a part actually in, in this thing where George is like, it's just him and John Lennon and Yoko. And he's like, you know, I've got all these great songs. You know, George has got all these great songs. He goes, I've got all these great songs. And he's playing a lot of songs that you, you know, because you're a Harrison fan. And, um, and he's like, I'd like to, I'd like to do an album, you know, and Lennon's like, yeah, you know, like, let's do an album. He's like, no, on my own. I want to do it. Al- I've got like 30 songs written. You know what I mean? It's incredible. And Lennon's like, yeah, you know what? Do it. Like Yoko's like, that's a good idea. Like you could tell that they were like, yeah, you know what? They basically, the Beatles were like, it was done. They're like, well, let's all just go somewhere else. You yeah. know, like none of them had an interest at all. Yeah. And so it was really, it wasn't like, oh my God, you've got 30 songs you're holding out. It wasn't right. like that at all. It was like, cool, do an album. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. I'm interested. Um, did you finish that episode, that podcast episode? In no. Its entirety? No. Okay. Keep going because the things that I actually found most interesting were all personal anecdotes of Kelly's. Um, he talks, uh, Ariel asks him if he has any regrets and Kelly actually, he says his one regret is not being present enough in his daughter's life. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome. Um, he said, I wasn't a full-time father. That's a regret. It's something I would change. I wasn't a mature father. I wish it was a mature figure for her and a presence in her everyday life. She and I have actually addressed all of this and it's a part of our conversation, but me not being there when she was a young girl was a tough burden for her. Yeah, that's that's so powerful. That's probably the greatest part of this. And I didn't even hear it, but I can see him saying it. And um, and in many ways, see, the beautiful thing about Kelly is that he is very forthcoming. Like that's that takes a lot of the power out of it. You know, like it's really um, I mean, I know that he has had great engaging conversations with his daughter about the way he feels about the, what he did or did not do. See, I didn't know that. And so, well, I mean, I'm just assuming based on the fact he's telling some MMA guy and telling well, now public, I know, yeah, now I know, but I didn't know previously, you know? Yeah. You, I mean, you sense that, you, you know, in fact, for a long time, it was kind of like, you know, a secret, right? Well, like that's what I'm saying. Certain, is... people, certain people knew that he had a daughter, but I mean, that's been known for a long time. But that's what I'm saying. That was always my read on it was nobody's actually discussing it. And maybe he's intentionally keeping it private and he's a phenomenal dad. But um, who am I? To, I? I have no idea is my point. And so I was glad to hear him kind of address it and have some yeah. culpability. Because if you're going to be winning, if you're going to be that committed to winning world titles, 
you have to cut short relationships in your life, period, you know? And so, but I didn't know if he was actually aware of the toll that that takes on the people around you. So I was glad to hear him talk about that because that really does seem like a new chapter in his um, maturity and his growth as a human being and all of Uh, of that. I mean, this, this guy is a very mature individual. I mean, you know, we're pretty damn lucky to have somebody that's as, um, you know, as willing to, as vulnerable as he is and as willing to, to look at himself and then to tell people that he's looking at himself. I think it's powerful. Um, let me ask you this. He mentioned that his daughter's engaged. Can you imagine Kelly being your father-in-law? <laughs> <laughs> Just think about that for a second. Yeah. Let's How see. weird would that be? Yeah. <laughs> My father-in-law is cool. You know, I respect him and all that, but it, <laughs> we're kind of like, uh, we're both mere mortals and I feel like uh, we can find common ground. How do you find common ground with Kelly? Yeah, yeah I don't know. Be golf, golf. He's, not a mere, he's not a mortal in golf either. You know, it's funny. Uh, where I play golf, I belong to a club here in North County. And um, about a month ago, they're like, hey, Kelly was just in here. I guess Kelly knows a member or something was playing. And they're, of course, they know me as like surf guy. So they're like, hey, you know, and, and I was just a full fanboy. I'm like, really? Where is he? I want to go see him hit balls. You know, yeah. is he on the driving range? They're like, oh, no, he played already. He left. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. But anyway, that would be weird to have Kelly Slater as your father-in-law. Funny thought exercise. Yeah. Um, are we moving on from Kelly or, or do you have more on that? Um, I mean, I let's see. What else did I get out of it? Um. I mean, I'm the stuff about him passing out in the beginning of the conversation I found interesting. 19 years old, did yeah. a floater and team. I, I didn't know that. Did you know that? No. He was underwater not. for 30 seconds with a concussion and uh, had amnesia for like 24 hours. Didn't even know the names of the guys that he was on the boat trip with. Scary. His, his friends, you know, whiplash and a concussion. 19 years old, knocked out 30 seconds underwater. So, I mean, yeah, that would have that would have been some crazy news in the surf world. Yeah. That's a good segue actually to the pipe event. Um, there was two head injuries and shout out to stab magazine for reporting on this because I did not know about it. And, um, I thought they did a good job of kind of, it's important. Like concussion protocol in the NFL was decades late. And as a result, there was, um, a lot of brain, a lot of brain damage, a lot of brain damage, suicides associated with the brain damage, uh, with the concussions. And so I think it's kind of surfing's addressing it, uh, as quickly as we're identifying it anyways. And I think I mentioned to you, I did a podcast with Derek Dunphy a while back, a month or two ago. Yeah. And he talked about that and how it's affecting his life and how he had no awareness of the threat until it was actually too late. And then you find yourself faced with the reality of maybe those things, it degenerates, it gets worse as you get older. So you find yourself with the possibility of not being able potentially to remember your grandkids' names in the future because of something reckless that you did in your youth. And so the article that Stab wrote was about two head injuries uh, at this HIC Pipe Pro that took place this past week. One of them was Finn McGill. One of them was Keikoa Casimero. Finn McGill 
took to Instagram and he said, I'm super bummed to have to pull out of the event today after winning my heat this morning. On my first wave, I hit my head hard and didn't feel much because there was so much adrenaline. But after my heat, my eyesight started getting blurry and I had a really bad headache and I started vomiting. So Finn McGill's won this event in the past. He won his heat, but then, you know, had that happen during the heat, got out of the water, had enough awareness and the medical staff probably helped him identify it to where he withdrew from the event because of it. Well, that's, that's definitely a concussion, right? At least, and probably more. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but that's horrible. And um, it is fascinating. I think we're going to see, and we already are seeing a little bit, but I think we're going to see more people wearing helmets at pipe during events and even free surfing. I agree. And um, I don't think it's going to be as, um, you know, it's just going to be, that's what, you know, it's going to be sort of second nature. Or that's not the word I'm looking for, but you well, know what I mean? it's like it is for skiing and snowboarding nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years exactly. ago is uncommon to see helmets. Now you see helmets way more often than not. Um, Keikoa Casimero, I don't know what his, if he wiped out or what happened exactly, but he had this huge hematoma that he posted a photo of. And he said, I think this was an eye opener. I needed that. I need to go and buy a helmet. I got home and I looked at my fiance who was not too stoked to see that I was bleeding out of my head again for the third time this year. Oh my God. Gnarly. I mean, that's not good. Yeah. That's time to buy a helmet for sure. So yeah. Yeah. Helmets. Um, Makes sense. Did you pay attention to the HIC pipe pro? I did. um, I want to say, was I traveling or I know the waves are all time. In fact, I got a text from a guy who was there. He's like, oh my God, the winds, everything's coming on, like backdoors firing. It was really good for, I want to say two or three or maybe four days there that weekend. It and peaked on finals day. Yeah, it was really solid. But, I, oh, you know what it was? I tried to log on and watch it. I couldn't watch it. There was there no go. access. That's actually there was no access. I couldn't believe it. That should be the lead story of this episode. Not Kelly retiring this year? Well, that's true. Clickbait, David. Who's going to click on this? <laughs> they're both they're both clickbaity, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, it's a huge problem for me that they were not streaming this event. Um, me too. And I'll break it down. It's a it's a QS one thousand event, which is why they weren't streaming it. They don't stream right. those. Right. But the exactly. WSL, we talk about the WSL kind of um, losing the plot and kind of not fully understanding what surfing is about it's pipe in december is what you're getting at exactly pipe in december exactly and so it million fans that want to see pipe in december it doesn't matter what the event is rated if you're running an event at pipe in december and you have john john florence and a number of your other marquee athletes competing in it you need to stream the event if you don't understand that your core product and value is pipeline this is Exactly. In the wintertime, then you've missed the plot completely. And so uh, I think it was a huge miss. If you look at all of the commentary in their Instagram posts and everywhere else, they state as much. Everybody's kind of upset about not being able to watch this. What happens is we're living in a modern world. And so the event turned out that there was a bunch of pirate streams going on. You not as uh, they were lame. Yeah, yeah, not as well produced, of course. Yeah. But you know, you could kind of find a way to watch it uh, if you were savvy and able to jump around. But enough of that. Um, The event, like you said, 
turned out to be phenomenal. You have John John um, and Ivan, Ivan surfing in three different heats together. Ivan ends up getting a 10 in the final against John John right in front of John John while John John's paddling out. John John had to like ditch his board and dive under the wave. It's an incredible clip. But before he did that, he, he like gave him a salute. That's true. John John gave him a salute and bailed. Totally. Just an epic moment. Again, all the reasons that you would want to stream this event. Like the WSL in terms of there's no story building that they have to do. All they have to do is turn on the cameras and get out of the way because there's so much going on. Drama, family rivalry, brotherhood, like all this stuff is just baked right in. And it was a huge miss. Yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, I what's leading up to it too is like kind of weird wins, like Kona wins. Like it was kind of shitty on the North Shore. So I'm not sure if they were like, hey, should we or shouldn't we? If we do, we need to kind of get Ross Williams and get everyone lined up and get the camera guys there and all that. Like there's a lot that they got to kind of set up for a webcast. And I'm wondering if because the, the weather was weird, the swell wasn't very cooperative. They just kind of went, no, it's a QS 1000. It's going to be shitty. They're going to have it today at Cut Beach Park anyway, blah, blah, blah. And they they weren't able to, you know, be able to turn on a dime and react and pivot. See, I think they never planned on streaming it in the first place. Probably I don't think right. that was even an option. And that, again, is kind of an indicator of decisions being made, which yeah. I don't think are very promising. No. Um, but the highlights of the event, in addition to the Florence brothers, uh, I thought Baron Mamiya was a huge standout. Did you see any of his clips? No, I didn't see it. I think Baron, he's been on the radar for a while now. He's got a lot of hype and um, he's living up to the hype. He's an incredible surfer. And he rises to the challenge. Yeah, I mean, he's a pipe specialist, you know. Um, well, not only, though. I mean, he's got airs. He's got tremendous style. Yeah, yeah. I think he's incredible. Yeah. Um, on the women's side, so they actually ran a women's event as well. And Moana Jones, I think we've started to see her on Instagram in recent years getting barreled at pipe. She, Jamie O'Brien says she's the most barreled female ever at Pipeline. And she surfs it better than any female ever has. I think mm. she's 17 or 18 years old. This is the girl that got in that tussle with Tatiana Weston Webb last winter when Tati oh, yeah. and Moana called her out and then uh, gave her a dressing down on the beach. Um, <laughs> and so Moana not only won this event, she dominated this event. Like her, um, the class of difference between her and number two, three, and four was completely there was a chasm between them is so she somehow I, related to daniel and mccullough i don't she part know. of the jones family dr john jones great question that oh. i don't know probably in some way maybe a nephew or niece. well there's a niece yeah, it wouldn't be a nephew well she's <laughs> a niece. she's <laughs> a cousin uh, it's uh there are no binaries anymore scott so yes oh, yeah. you can refer they. to her however she prefers um I don't know, but uh, she's too young to be like a brother or I'm sorry, a sister of <laughs> Dan Daniel or Makala. Yeah. But yeah. All right. But I was well. psyched to see her and um, congrats. I think we're starting to see the beginning of her reign of dominance. Is she uh, on the CT? She is not, but <sighs> she's doing the triple crown, the digital triple crown. Well, the reason I bring that up is because the February pipe event, the kickoff of the season, wouldn't it be great? if Moana Jones kicked ass at the very first event as a rookie and just smoked all these girls that don't have, because pipe is a wild card in that regard. Like Moana obviously has experience. She's got the respect to Jamie O'Brien. She's, she knows the reef. She can dominate out there. 
and you go out there and you make the finals as a rookie in the first event of the year, you got a big head start here. And uh, it's unfortunate. Are there any other rookies that you're like, oh yeah, she'll own it. You know, I mean, I know Carissa's going to, not a, not a Carissa, big darling ways. Carissa will do good. I mean, I know she's not a rookie obviously, but I'm just thinking about a young girl that could kind of like get a little kickstart. Among um, the young. So I could see Moana getting a wild card into the event and then really? smoking the field. Yeah, That would be not? sick. I don't know. Are there wild cards available? I don't know. I don't know how yeah. they work, but um, if they gave one, she deserves it as much as anybody. Yeah, give her one right now. Like hashtag give Moana the wild card. Done. Do it. <laughs> hashtag it. Moana at first event of the year. Stream it. Um, There's got to be a better hashtag than that. Um, Moana wild card? Moana Masters. The Moana. Master <laughs> Moana? I don't know. Um uh shoot i don't know what i was gonna where my next thought was about moana uh we were talking about girls on tour the first oh yeah 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 Yeah. so in terms of the rookies going into that event i have no idea the only rookie the only thing that i know about the rookies is like their aerial and competitive prowess i don't know of any of them to be big chargers i know betty uh lou sakura is a hawaii like she surfs Haleiwa all the time. She surfs big Haleiwa. So she's from Hawaii and she, in theory, could do well at pipe, but I've not seen her surf pipe. You know, what's amazing about pipe is that, that I don't think the general public know, like really gets, and I'm not sure if you can even convey it through a podcast, through a broadcast, but it's frigging crystal clear and super shallow. And it's not quite as refined and perfect as Chopu. So you got these peaks that are moving around and some of them just back off and others of them lurch. And I mean, if you're staring down an eight foot peak at pipe and you're not familiar with it, it's friggin' gnarly. Like, you know, like it's, a, they need to somehow get that across. Maybe can, may, do you think that they've conveyed that? Is, is that unconveyable? Is that only um, something that you experience when you're actually out there? It's unconveyable. They talk about the dangers and how scary it is constantly so they're trying, but it's what you're talking about is unconveyable. Yeah, it's and, pretty heavy. And you don't even know it unless you've been in the water yourself. Like I remember trying to explain early days of surfing to people like waves look big or they don't look nearly as big from the shore as they do when you're in the water. But if you're like standing in the shore break, you have a new perspective on it. It's a totally different perspective once you're actually laying on a board, looking up at a six foot wave, you know, like, so that's one level of kind of understanding. But then a six foot wave at pipeline is a totally different level of understanding compared to a six foot wave in Huntington Beach. Now paddling into that six foot wave and looking down, that's a totally different perspective as well. Looking down and seeing the coral head through the crystal clear three feet of water and having it kind of amplified or magnified by the water. That's a totally different experience. Now actually going on that wave, that's a, there's no way to convey each little level of this. Well, and having the, have, when the water draws off the reef yeah. and it yeah. goes from three feet to one foot. Yeah. Especially exactly. back door. It's freaking crazy. Totally. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Whoop. Hell yeah. Whoop.com promo code is the word surf. You get a free whoop 4.0 strap and 15% off your membership when you use our promo code surf 4.0 
4.0, like my age, 4.0. And what is Whoop, Scott? What does it mean to you? How has it affected your life? Well, look, the Whoop 4.0 is really, for me, the best part about it is the sleep, like the ability to gauge my sleep, which I don't seem to be getting very much of. It does a lot of cool things, but for me, I, I really like, you know, it monitoring my sleep and where I'm at with that. And it's a digital fitness tracker. It is the most advanced fitness wearable on the market. The 4.0 version is John, John Florence uses it. Uh, Nathan Florence has been using it. And although it's a tr fitness tracker, it's really designed around the concept of recovery. And so it's important to not just monitor your exertion, but also monitor what's going on at night and how well you're sleeping and your body's processing all of that and recovering, and then apply it to your workout. Yeah, the 4.0 basically tells me, hey, today's a recovery day, or today you can go full 110%, or today maybe just go 80%, whatever the case may be. And uh, it's, it's a powerful tool for people like me and you that are living, you know, aggressive lifestyles. The cool thing about the 4.0 strap is that it is smaller, sleeker. It is a biometric tracker. So it sits on your wrist, but it uh, is so small that it actually fits under your wetsuit. So you can wear it 24 hours a day. It um, measures skin temperature, blood oxygen, much, much more. All of that information gets sent to your phone. So the device itself doesn't have a screen. There's no buttons. There's no annoying notifications, but you can open up the app on your phone and it has all of your vitals. Super important information that you could then share with a physician, a coach, a personal trainer. It's just automatically collecting that data 24-7, whether you're working or sleeping. So whoop.com is the website, W-H-O-O-P. And then use our promo code, which is the word SURF, and you will get 15% off your membership and a free Whoop 4.0 strap. Right on, Whoop 4.0. Whoop.com promo code SURF. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references. And now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, moving on from pipe, I'm kind of rushing through our topics because it's Christmas and we got to move on. Um, but moving on from pipeline, are you reading this series on stab premium called my first million? No. 
I think no. you would love this. I need to get on here. I think What's you would love on? this. They're talking to Ryan, photographer Ryan Miller and photographer Morgan Mawson about how they made their first millions, millions mm-hmm. of dollars. And so it's an article focused on investing. Really? They've, Morgan Mawson is a millionaire. Oh, yeah. Oh, good for him. And he, gives you, he gives you the blueprint. That's cool. Is it crypto? No, very little crypto. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, <laughs> it could it could still be crypto. We don't know yet. But um, they did two or three articles two or three months ago, and then they just did a follow up article as well. And um, they have very different investing strategies. But Sam McIntosh is big into investing, and so he um, does a good job asking the right questions and letting these guys lay out their blueprint. And both of them explain uh, how they got into investing, all of their fears, some of their early wins, some of their big losses. They explain the percentage of how their portfolio is made up today. And they're both, like I said, very different. Um, But I, I just find these articles to be a huge resource, very insightful, very relatable. And unlike any other surf journalism or content that we've ever seen in surfing before, uh, I think they're fantastic. I encourage you to check them. That's cool. I'm going to look into it. And uh, um, stoked when there's guys that are prospering, you know, good for well, them. And they didn't necessarily prosper in surfing or they made a little bit of money at some time in surfing, but they yeah. talk about how they used that little bit they made to make money rather than just spending that money. Um, I will give you a couple of quotes from this article, but I also wanted to say um, I'm grateful to have Ryan Miller as a texting buddy resource. And uh, so he gives me little bits of advice every once in a while in this realm, but he texted me a podcast. He, it, it's called The Wall Street Coach with Kim Ann Curtin. It was on December 11th. And believe it or not, she interviews Shane Dorian of all people. Wow. to ask Shane Dorian about his adv- investing advice. And so around the 57 minute mark, Shane Dorian says, uh, we've got this ongoing text thread with a bunch of people in the surf industry. And we send e- each other screenshots. I think it's every Friday, they send each other a screenshot from their trading app showing kind of gains and losses. And the winner gets something. I forget what the winner gets. And then at the end of the year, they do a big year-end finale and there's like a huge grand prize. And I think something for the loser that they have to do as well. Well, last year, Ryan Miller took the big win because it was 2020. He went heavy into Tesla, like almost everything into Tesla at the beginning of the year when all signs were that Tesla was going to crash. And it made, it was like an 8,000% return or something. Yeah. So Ryan just had this incredible win. And, um, and so Shane Dorian talks about that and about how Ryan has done so well and all that. And I feel like Ryan could end up running a fund for all these guys if he does this more than one year in a row. You know, if it turns out to not be a fluke, I could see them just being like, all right, here's our money. You manage it from here on out because Ryan's crushing, becoming a millionaire, literally. That's cool. I'm, I'm looking at their article right now and it looks, it looks great. And, and um, I mean, I'm no expert, but I sense that um, you should, you know, buy and buy often and keep it simple and, uh, and just understand the power of exponential growth. 
Um, Ryan, specifically for our listeners, for some who maybe aren't investing, what he says in this article is, I see so many people paralyzed with fear that they never end up sticking their big toe in the water. I hear this same comment all the time, which is, oh, company X looks so expensive. I think I'll wait for a pullback. This is often coming from people that are 20 or 30 years old. If you have 70 years of life ahead of you, then just dive into the markets. It's impossible, or it is possible to get beat up for a little in the short term, but those are all great lessons that you need to learn and develop a tolerance for. <coughs> the more you try, the more you are exercising that muscle between your ears. Those are the reps that you should be trying to get a start in. And you can uh, worry about building meaningful wealth later. He goes on to, uh, later in the article, kind of explain more about exercising that muscle. And he says that the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and the middle class wallows in debt. It isn't because any, cla any class is smarter than the other. Plenty of poor kids excel in school, but financial education isn't taught in schools. Financial education is often taught at home or not at all. If your parents have no idea how to manage their money, then how the hell are they supposed to teach you? You just want to get started and begin that to exercise that muscle in your head, end quote. And this is coming from Ryan who had no financial literacy at home and had to learn on his own in the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's great. And um, that podcast sounds interesting too. I'd like you to send that to me. I know you mentioned the wall street coach it's called the wall street coach with Kim and Curtin and the mm -hmm. December 11th episode was with uh, Shane Dorian. I'll text it to you. Yeah. I'm not too worried about the Dorian episode. I just want to listen to it. So listen to Dorian. Okay. I will. I'll listen to Dorian. Respect. I will. What about you? Where are you at with all of this? Um, what about crypto? Everyone's all crypto this, crypto that. Crypto's lame. Crypto's great. Um, do you have investments in crypto? Only because of you. Really? Well, our buddy, Rob Colby. Yeah. I don't think he'll mind me saying this from Need Essentials. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Be careful. Rob told me years and years ago about crypto. And he's like, are you paying attention to this? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't understand any of it. So I'm just not going to do anything. He's like, no, nah, you should really pay attention to this. And at the time, I think it was trading for under a hundred bucks or something. Bitcoin? Yeah. Oh, good for you. Yeah. No, I didn't buy. Oh. I, I could be wrong about what it was trading for at that time, but I did look it up and I, I assessed it and I was like, no, nah, I'm going to wait it out. And it's <laughs> stupidest decision ever, obviously. Um, but I got in at some point, you recommended it to me at some point. You're like, dude, do you have just a few extra hundred bucks? Like just throw it in there and see what happens. So my question to you about Bitcoin is, or crypto in general, I've seen that what I bought double in price and it's come down a bit since, but at the double, I was like, shoot, I should sell. I'll sell double my money. Cause it will, this, this market is so volatile. It will drop. So I should just double my money here and then buy back in at a drop. And maybe I don't time the low at the lowest, but I can double my money and then just buy back in. So I'll have more shares when I buy back in than I had originally when I started. Do you ever sell crypto or do you just hold everything? I hold everything. And okay. I mean, I'll tell you that, and, and I don't have a whole lot of money in it, but I bought crypto when it was 6,000 bucks, whatever year that was. And I bought crypto last month when it was at like 55. 
<laughs> and so, you know, luckily I have a really smart brother who's, who's in this world. And so he kind of tells me what's up and I just do what he tells me to do, but, um, but don't sell it, hold on to it. Like it's, it's going to go for a ride here. Um, you know, next, you got 10 years yeah. to wait until you're, you might want to sell. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. And then that's my strategy in general is I've never really sold anything. Um, because I'm earning, you know, I'm in an earning decades of my life and I don't need the money or I don't need to free up that cash. So I don't mind just holding on to stuff. But when you see that volatility, it's like, man, I could capitalize on this peak and then capitalize again down here, you know, but whatever. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, um, I think you and I were talking about um, the guy, like if you were lucky enough to be in on the IPO for say Tesla or um, let's say Amazon, um, you know, I don't even know what the number was. Let's say it was 50 bucks and you got in on the IPO and the next day it was like at a hundred. And then like the next year it was like 250 and you're like, holy shit, I'm cashing out. I killed it. Well, if you would have held on to that, it's like, you know, it, it like went times eight or something yeah. like it multiplied crazy, you know? That's and bad. so the, so the guys that got out of 250 are going, God, why didn't I stay in? It's at 4,000. Yeah. Because my strategy like I said, was to buy back in on the dip. So it's, it's, yeah. you, you double your money, then yeah, you, I hear you dips and you, you double your shares essentially at that. I point. hear you. And I've cashed out a little bit to pay for some college and stuff. So I've done that, but right now I'm on the, buy the dips, stack the clips. Yeah. <laughs> stack Good the strategy. chips, stack chips, buy dips. Good strategy. I don't even know what that means, but I, it sounds well, don't listen to us. Go read Bad Boy no. Rai and Morgan's yeah, articles. Do not listen to us. Um, so in the sake of time, I've got a must-see moment. I've got a duke. Yeah. I've got a kook. Do you yeah. have other topics before we get to no. this? No, that's okay. all I got. Okay, my must-see moment is Ivan Florence's 10 from the HIC Pipeline Pro. The fact that his brother, John John's paddling out is incredible. Uh, it's an incredible wave. If a wave ever... Uh, if there's ever an incredible ride at Pipeline, it will always make our must-see moment, no matter what year we are recording this show in, because we understand what's important in surfing. Yeah. Note to WSL. <laughs> Which WSL is my kook of the week uh, for missing the live stream opportunity, just for, for kind of missing the opportunity to serve their core in the only way that matters. Man and woman versus nature. Yeah. Well, look, my musty moment is this Kelly Slater interview. It happened December 8th, so it's about 20 days ago or whatever, 15 days ago. But Ariel Helwani, it's A-R-I-E-L-H-E-L-W-A-N-I. If you just go into YouTube and search for Ariel Helwani and Kelly Slater, um, you'll get to check out this interview, which is uh, interesting, more insight from um, you know Kelly Slater, who some consider the GOAT. And while I will acknowledge that he is the greatest of all time competitively, David, say it with me. You and I both know who the real goat is. Tom Curran. Yes, Tom Curran. The Kelly, true would, goat Kelly would of, agree with that. Of our culture. Um, anyway. Yeah, so you could also find it. I listened in Apple Podcasts. You could just search Kelly's name and it'll pop up if you can't remember Ariel Halwani. Um, my Duke this week are the Brothers Florence all three of them. 
because despite Nathan Florence losing early in the event, he stood on the beach and live streamed the rest of the event from his iPhone onto his YouTube channel. And that's pretty, I mean, it's one stagnant angle. It's a wide angle, not stagnant, but one angle, a wide angle. No what was the commentary like? It was fun. Yeah, I bet he did good commentary. But what he did a phenomenal job with is posting uh, his vlogs because he does a vlog on his YouTube channel. Yeah. His vlogs, he did a two-parter of the event, the pre-event, the back scenes behind backstage stuff behind the event, the post event, the celebrations with his brothers, conversations with his mom, everybody in, in and out of their house on the beach. So go check those out um, on Nathan Florence's YouTube channel. They're well worth watching. They're about 20 minutes each part, but all three brothers, what a banner week for those brothers, Ivan and John, John throughout the event, Nathan for streaming and celebrating his family. I think it's incredible. I do too. And it's, it's fitting that it's the, you know, family time of the year with the holidays around us. And those guys got to celebrate something super special, uh, victory at Pipeline, with or without the WSL. Many Bless more to them. come, I would think. I agree with that. Yeah. All right. We got to give a shout out to Mom John. I saw her in the picture. There was a picture of Mom John in the family photo with all of them in the backyard there, the Florence household. I'm sure the gift of watching those kids come up is enough for her that she doesn't need our congratulations. But honestly, pat on the back. You know, it's an interesting, or maybe not, is the whole Dad John thing. Like, what's Dad John thinking right now? So I've heard mixed things. Um, he wrote a book. He put it, he self-published it. It's on Amazon. Um, and I've <laughs> That heard sounds like a miss. Yeah, I heard it's a miss and it's pretty cringy, but- mm. I also, Nathan Florence uh, included him in a vlog this past year. Huh. Um, so I think that maybe they've. Uh, That's the documentary the where they're trying totally. to like, you know, Nathan's going, hey, dad's not that bad. And those guys right. going, oh, no, no, he wasn't around no, no, man. But you know what? That's, uh, that's personal shit. Maybe we should. That's none of my business, quite frankly. I, I am interested, though. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Okay, well, look. Until next time, David. Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas. Oh, by the way, I'm not going to be able to do a show next week. Okay. So, um, listeners, sorry, we're going to take a week off. We'll, we'll post a rerun. How's that? We'll post a rerun. One of the greatest episodes ever. Let's do that. Um, and thank you for the Christmas card, by the way. That was You have a beautiful family. Boy, thank you. And uh, let me say this. Lauren is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, did you send me a book, by the way? No. Because oh, I got a book and I don't know who it came from. It's just this book. I hate when people like, do that. I mean, I, I appreciate like, the gift, but I'm like, come on, think this through. We're, it's a full that? mystery. The whole family's like, who gave that to you? Can you say what book it is? It's called The Bread Book. Okay. So it could be. It might have been from a listener. Like somebody asked my address. Shukin. I think Shukin, Shukin asked for your address. Yeah, maybe it was Shukin. That's probably who it was. But Reveal there, yourself, was no, there was no card or anything. Right. It was a wonderful gift. I'm doing bread right now. I got the leaven rising right now. It sounds like a Led Zeppelin song when the levee breaks. <laughs> when the leaven rises. All right. Well, I won't see you next week, but Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And you. Until next time, adios and aloha. The mood is right. The spirit's up. We're here tonight. And that's enough. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Party's on.
The feelings here that only comes to time of year. Spirits up, we're here tonight. Oh. 